0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our scripture reading today is Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11. angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jackie, for reading God's word. Good morning, everyone. Excited to hop in this message this morning. Um, I just want to... um, um, welcome, our first-time guest with us. Welcome officially to Downtown Church. We are glad to, to have you with us. And as y'all saw the video, um, next Sunday, um, we have the opportunity to meet and hear from, um, from Pastor Julian Russell. And funny thing about their video is we asked him to send us just a video. I, I was expecting to get, like, a selfie cam, like, hey... We're going to see y'all next week, and the very next morning, he sent us what y'all just saw with the graphics and visual effects. So, I think it's safe to say he's already raising the um, bar here a little bit. Um, um, We're going to have to humble him a little bit. I'm just playing. But, um, but this morning, I'm excited to continue in our sermon series, The Marks of a Disciple where we discuss what marks and characteristics disciples of Jesus are to have. And today, we will look at the mark of God's word, and we will discuss the role that God's word plays plays in our lives. And before focusing on God's word, we just bow in a quick word of prayer as I ask God to bless this time. Father God, we are weak, but that's the place where we should be. For where we are weak, you are strong. So, God, I just pray that even as we hear your word, listen to your word now, as I stand to preach your word, God, I just pray for the power of your spirit to speak through me in a powerful way and give us ears to hear and hearts to accept and obey. Oh, Lord, just just allow your word to move, convict, and encourage as you see fit. I pray this prayer and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the title that I want to offer up for this message is, Do You Have the Answer Key? Do you have the answer key? Because it's life, not just a series of questions. Should I stay or should I go? Should I say yes or should I say no? Should I give more or should I save should I ignore or obey? What career should I choose to be my school? or mean, what college will be my school? Should I listen to my parents or listen to my friends? What is the correct choice at the end? Life is just a series of questions and tests. And oftentimes, the challenge for us is trying to make sure we have the right answer and make the right choice because no one wants to fail the test. Well, the good news for you this morning is that I have discovered that the sure way to make sure that you do not fail the test is to make sure you have the answer key. And can I tell you what my favorite type of teachers are? My favorite type of teachers are the teachers who give you a study guide for the test. I still remember my eighth grade social study teacher, Coach Banker, giving us a study guide and saying, all you got to do is fill out this study guide and you will pass the test. Can I tell you what my least favorite teachers are? The teachers who think they are too good to give a study guide. The teachers who says the day before the test, all you got to do is read the entire book and you should be fine. So Gregory, if you kept up with your um, assigned readings, you wouldn't need a study guide. And I used to always say, Miss, I ain't gonna say her name, I need a study guide. Do not do not give me a test and expect me to pass without first knowing what is expected of me. Well, my junior year in college, my, um, my friend and I, we both failed Microeconomics, you may guess the reason why we failed, we didn't get a study guide. So, so the next semester, we had to retake microeconomics, and we was determined to pass this test. We said we going to study together. We both got tutors together, and the test was take-home test. We had to um, take the test on our laptop, and we could even use our book, but the book didn't matter during the test because either you knew it or you didn't know it, and I'm never going to forget, it was the day to take the test. My friend Markel called me and said, Sir G, come to my apartment right now. Do not take that test without me. I got to show you something. And I get to his apartment with my laptop, and he said, I found the website that all the teachers get their tests from. And I paid $50 to, to, to get my own account. And he said, I think she gets her test from this website. So what we're going to do is when we open up the test, we're just going to copy and paste this question into the search bar. And when we did that, lo- Lord and behold, the entire test question for question, answer for answer, was right in front of us. We had something better than a study guide. We had the answer key. And we just started laughing. We was like, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. Oh, we don't never got to study again for the rest of college. This is gonna be valedictorian, here I come. And, 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 and I remember I was taking the test, and my friend said, sir G, slow down. We gotta miss, son, because we failed last semester. We can't come. This semester getting, getting straight A's. So, so we missed only two. I got a 96 and you know, we was happy because we had the answer kit. We're kids who's getting ready to go off to college. I still must say that cheating doesn't pay off because the, prof- the professor got wise and caught on and the next time we had to take the test, she made us download a lockdown browser, which <sighs> ruined our plan. And you may have guessed it we failed the next test. And I know some of y'all looking at me, judging me, thinking that I failed because I was lazy and cheating never pays off, but I respectfully disagree with you. I did not fail because I was lazy. I failed simply because I didn't have the answer key. (laughs) And wouldn't it be nice to have the answer key in life? In relational conflict, an answer key that tells you exactly how to handle this ugly situation, when tragedy strikes, an answer key that directs you and guides you on how to deal with life when our hearts are heavy and broken into a million pieces, the simple question that many or all are asking is what is our purpose and what are we to give our lives to? Wouldn't it be nice to have an answer key to life's most important questions? Well. God in his goodness and never-ending mercy has graced us with an answer key, and God's word is the answer key for us, church. And the main idea of this message is that God's word answers life's key questions. And This is what Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter four. Um, chapter three concludes with Jesus getting baptized, and, and if, if you remember, the spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove, and now chapter four, verse one, tells us that this same spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted, tested by the devil. That word tempted is another word for just meaning put to the test. So here Jesus is getting baptized and being led to be tempted. And verse 2 tells us that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. Already in this text, we see and smell the fragrance of Israel and the Old Testament being tested in the wilderness. After being delivered from Egypt, Israel was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness not for forty days but for forty years. And if you remember oftentimes the test that Israel faced was being hungry. The test that they was faced was seeing that they were trusting God even when they lacked for a moment. The test was whether they would obey and worship God even when their physical circumstances were not ideal. And now here is Jesus in the wilderness, heaven eating nothing for 40 days. And the Bible tells us he too is hungry. Bible doesn't tell us what he was hungry for. Of course, he has a physical hunger, but I wonder if Jesus hungered for something greater than the physical. I wonder after being in the wilderness alone with God and being satisfied by the presence of God, if this is what Jesus was really hungry for. Not physical bread, but a bread that only God can give. Yes, some Panera communion bread would do him good, would do his body good, but Jesus is aware of a hunger of his soul that only God can satisfy. There is a spiritual food that you can receive only by being in connection with God. And I wonder that if if, if we are... We get our eight hours of sleep. We eat right. We're back in the gym. We we're putting up more boundaries in, in our life. To, to but but we're still tired, overwhelmed, exhausted. And I wonder if it's because we're taking care of all of the physical, but we're missing the spiritual. Jesus was hungry. That's why David cried out, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. My soul will be satisfied by you as with fat and rich food. Jesus was hungry for something that only God can give. But life wouldn't be life without some trials and temptations, right? So enters The tempter, the devil, Satan. The tempter comes at Jesus when he is physically weak and decides to test to see if he will fail or pass. And as we just read, Satan attempts to tempt Jesus with three different tests. He pretty much gives three different questions. And the first question that he asked Jesus was about provision. Question number one is, will God... Provide. Will God provide? In verse three, the tempter came and said to him, "If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread." This appear innocent and sinless. Jesus has a real physical need. He's physically weak and hungry, and anyone with an ounce of compassion would give Jesus some bread. So Satan gives the test. have a real need turn these stones into loaves and be happy and eat. The test is pretty much Satan saying don't wait on God because God can't provide for you. You have to take matters in your own hand and provide for yourself. If you are the son of God just do it. If you're a Christian (laughs) God gonna forgive you. God God know what's in your heart. You don't got to trust him. You don't got to wait on him. You don't got to be still. You can provide for your own self. That's the question. And I want us to see that there is a real tangible need present in Satan is trying to tempt Jesus into sin by getting Jesus to trust in himself over God. And this is the same test that we face today. Question one is, what God provide, and he moves quickly to question two, which is about power. Is God able? Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So the tempter, the devil, tries a different angle, angle him. First, he tests Jesus to doubt God's provision and care for him. But now he comes at a different angle and says, if you truly are the son of God, let's see if God is who he says he is. Satan knows God's word. So he quotes Psalms 91. and says, Psalms 91 says that God's angel will, will catch you. So let's make God prove it. Is God really God? Is God really who he says he is? His word says this. I can't tell. So let's put it to a test. Is God able to save you? Does he care enough for you? Does he love you enough to send his angels to catch you? Provision, power, and the third question is a question of purpose that we all have to answer ourselves. And that question being who... Will you worship? In verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Picture, I don't, um, most commentators say that, that, that. It's impossible for Satan to actually um, 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 take Jesus to a different location. So maybe it's this vision, this, this, this supernatural vision that Satan is showing Jesus. And he's showing Jesus everything the world has to offer and its glory. And he says, all of this can be yours. I will give it to you on one condition. Just simply fall down and worship me. Now, as I was reading this, I couldn't help but stop and think, man, do we, we don't really understand how humble Jesus was, is. We don't understand the humility of Jesus, because if I was Jesus, do you want to know what I would have said? I would have said, when Satan said, I will give you every kingdom and its glory, if you bow down to me, I would have said, you must don't know what Colossians 1 says, that all things were created by me, through me, and for me. You're going to give me these kingdoms. You must don't know that I have come to bring God's kingdom, that, 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 that I have a kingdom that's coming, that, that these kingdoms have nothing in comparison with. Do you want to know who, who I am, Satan? I am that I am. I am the one who can turn water into wine. I am the one who can come in a storm. I am the one who can, I don't even know. I would have said something crazy to Satan. He Bow down to you? Oh, you must have heard that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that I am Lord. You must have heard that I have the only name given under heaven that men must be saved. And that name is not Satan. That name is Jesus. You must don't know who I am, Satan. That's what I would have said. But Jesus simply said, it is written, man shall not live. No, he didn't say that. That's the first temptation. He said it is written, man shall serve and worship only God. And I want us to know that whatever you live for is who and what you worship. And what you worship is what defines your life's purpose. And Satan is throwing everything he can to get Jesus to not trust in his Father, to live for his own selfish reasons, and to not honor and obey God. And we have those same tests today. And I didn't grow up in the Presbyterian church, so I don't know how common it is to talk about the devil in the Presbyterian church, but I want us to know, church, that Satan is a real enemy and threat To everyone looking to walk with Jesus. Peter says in 1st chapter, Peter, that Satan is like a roaring lion prowling around looking to devour us. And the lion doesn't come at you head on, the lion prowls and waits for the perfect time to strike. We have a real enemy. But now I want to turn our attention to how Jesus responded to each of these questions. Jesus had the answer key. He knew the correct way to pass the test. And and, and he responded three times in a very simple way that we can't overlook this. Jesus, three times at each given test, he said, It is written. It is written. It is written. And he quotes God's word. He says, this is what God has already spoken and declared to be true. I know what my current situation is saying. I know what everyone around me is saying, but it is written because God has already spoken over this. And God's word is the answer to life's questions. God's word is what should guide and direct our heart and mind, not our feelings, nor our fleshly desires, but God's word. So let me just give you a couple benefits of the role that God's Word has in your life. The benefits of God, the first benefit of God is that God's Word teaches us our identity and our position. It teaches us who we are. Satan came to Jesus and he said, if you are the son of God, then do this. Are you really God's son? Does God really love you? And I love the fact that Jesus didn't respond by trying to prove who he is, but Jesus knew. Matthew chapter 3 just, just told us that when Jesus was baptized, the spirit descended upon him like a dove, and the voice from heaven was heard saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So when Satan, the tempter, the liar, came up trying to, um, um, trying to plant seeds of doubt, Jesus already had God's word, and he knew. But the truth is, he knew I'm God's son. He knew I'm, I'm well pleased. When we have these same doubts, we have to run to God's word. When the world tries to, um, um, when, when we begin to be filled with anxiety and doubt, we have to run to God's word. But the application for us all is to, to be able to speak God's word to our situation. We have to first know God's word. Yes, we are saved, and salvation is a free gift. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. But now, as we are walking, for us to be strong on our own and to be anchored in the truth and to not be tossed to and fro by every problem, by every word, we have to already have God's Word deep in our heart. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we come to Bible study. That's why we go to Sunday school. That's why we have daily reading plans, not because we have to, but because we need to know the truth. Because we are so prone to forget it day after day, we have to have a good diet of speaking God's word over us. So my question to you is, what truth do you have stored up that reminds you of who you are in Christ? Do you have Joshua 1? that he will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you have Psalms 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, that I shall not want good? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do we have Psalms 103, that that the far as the east is from the west, as far as my sins removed from me? What words do you have in your heart that you preach to yourself day after day? If someone ever asks you, who is your favorite preacher? You shouldn't say my local pastor. You shouldn't say Jackie Hill Perry. You shouldn't say some, some famous YouTuber. You should say I'm my favorite pastor. I'm my favorite preacher because I got to preach to myself the truth every day. This is what the Christian should be doing every day. We have to preach to ourselves the truth. What does God say about who I am? What does God say about what I am called to do? We should be our favorite preachers. Not your pastor and not Charlie Dates. That's my favorite preacher, but I, I digress. God's word tells us our identity, and another benefit that you may not know is God's word teaches the truth and protects from deception. Satan also said, It is written, Jesus meaning that the devil knows what the Bible says, But the difference in the devil and us is that the devil chooses to use the Bible to twist God's word to manipulate us. He quoted Psalm 91, but if you read Psalm 91, it has nothing to do with somebody throwing themselves off a cliff to see if God will save you. But the benefit of knowing God's Word is that God's Word is truth in every situation, in every topic, and the Word of God, the truth to God, does not change. What was true then is true now. So when we begin to smell something funny, we can not be led astray. I'm, I'm sure y'all heard this illustration about how people who work at the bank learn to, to tell counterfeit money. They don't study all of these fake counterfeits, but they just spend hours upon hours studying what a real $100 bill is. So when something feeling a little funny, smelling a little funny come up, they can know it's not the truth. Um, I'm sure a couple of y'all can attest to this, but our last, um, our lead founding pastor of, of this church name is Richard Reeves, right? And when he was on staff here, his email was richard at downtownchurch.com. But periodically, I, was, I would get, and some of you would get these random emails from a richard.reeves.net at a AOL.com. And it would say something like, oh, hey, Greg, I'm in a meeting. I forgot to buy a couple gift cards. Can you do me a solid and run and, and buy me some gift cards and just email me the gift cards? And his name said Richard Reeves, but because I knew two things about the real Richard Reeve, I knew one, his, 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 his email is Richard at downtownchurch.com, but I also knew Richard would never be as disrespectful as to call me Greg. <laughs> and immediately. I could send this email to spam because I knew the truth. In church, we are in a very dangerous time, especially for our younger g- generation, where there are so many people who have a YouTube channel, have a social media channel. Everyone ha- who is unqualified has a voice to speak what is truth what the truth about God is, what God has called us to be truth. And if we don't know the truth for ourselves, we will be like what James says, like a wave that's being tossed to and fro and ultimately led astray. The word of God is truth. And I want to end by saying that Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every one of God's words God's word aren't motivational quotes that we just hang up on our bathroom walls his word is the power of God used to give life to dead souls rescue souls from the pit of darkness and lead them to life God's word is peace to troubled hearts and strength to weak minds. God's word aren't just some cute quotes that we get tattooed on our bodies, but it is the power of God that saves the lost, comforts the afflicted, and, and restores the souls of those who are tired. God's word is life. It's the lamp of until our feet in the light until our path. God's word is the north star leading the wanderer home. It's the revelation of God's character and love. God's word reveals to us the power and nature of God that should eliminate every single doubt that we have. In the very, on the very first page on the Bible, it tells us this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, it was empty. And the spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I don't think y'all just heard what I said because y'all grew up in Sunday school and this sounds too familiar. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form. It was empty. It was voidless. It was pitch, dark. There was nothing in this universe and his spirit hovered over the face of the earth and God decided to stand up and speak and he said, let there be. And there was. When God decided to create the seven wonders, all he did was open his mouth and speak. When God decided to create an unapproachable star that gives light to the entire universe, all he did was open his mouth and speak. Let there be light, and there was light. There is word, there is power, there is life, there is joy, there is peace in the word of God. And his word is the answer key to the test. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, our test, you know that. In the beginning. But there's another in the beginning in the Bible that my Bible scholars already know about. John 1 1 says, In the beginning, God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and throughout among men. I want to tell you today, before I sit down, that Jesus is the answer key. Jesus is the one who can solve every problem. Jesus is the one who who can fight every battle. He is the one who can meet every need. Jesus is the answer key to our questions. And Jesus too speaks life over dead situations. When Lazarus was dead in the grave for four days, Jesus came up and said, wake up, Lazarus, stop sleeping. Come out their grave and Lazarus all wrapped up in the burial cloths came hopping out the grave, giving life to a dead situation. Jesus is the one who, when he speaks, um, 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 gives peace in the middle of a troubling storm. He was on that boat and said, peace, be still. And the waves stopped moving and the boat stopped rocking. Jesus spoke and, and, and lame men began to walk and dumb men began to talk. But my favorite thing about when Jesus speaks is what John 15 says. Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. But that ain't it. That ain't my favorite part, that's good, but my favorite part is when he says, you're still trying to get clean. You're still 30, you're still trying to um, um, become righteous. Jesus says, you are clean because I have declared you clean. You aren't clean because you cleaned yourself up. You can't come before God because you're so holy. You can't come before God because you got promised to never mess up again. We know you're going to mess up again. But you are clean simply because of the words that I have spoken. Jesus is the word. And where we failed, Jesus passed. And this is why we can come to the tables this morning. It's that where we failed... Even with having the word, even with having the cheat sheet, we still mess up. But Jesus, our Lord and Savior, in our place, he suffered, he died, but he got up. And because he lives, we too can live. Do you have the answer, key? Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, we need your word. And, Lord, all too often, we know that truth, but we are still too busy. We are still too distracted to eat from the bread that will give us life, that will give us wisdom, that will give us peace. So, Lord, I pray that you do what only you can do through the power of your spirit and give us a greater appetite for you. Give us a great appetite for your word that we may know you more and worship you more. I pray this next, is in Jesus' name, amen. Please raise your hand to receive the Lord's blessing spoken of you. Philippians 4, made the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be blessed, downtown church.